Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. Scott Reynolds is with me, and we are about, what is it, 10 days gone from the NFL draft? 10 days? Sounds like it, yeah. It's about right. Gosh, 10 days from the draft, Scott. It's it's exciting. I'm not going to lie. This is one of the best times of the year. Not only just the draft, but the anticipation for it as well, obviously. Yep. And you and I have a long way to go today on this show because we are going to be talking a lot about the running back class. And we we kind of hinted that we were going to do this last week, but this is the first week where I feel like we're actually getting a chance to do this and to jump in on this position and actually go in-depth with our evaluations and who we think could be potential fits for the Bucks as well. I think that's one of the keys to all of this is which one of these running backs best, best fits Tampa Bay. And right now yeah. we've got some ideas, uh, but I don't know that we feel – well, we have a, a handful of players that we kind of are torn between right now in terms of our evaluation as to who's going to fit best with the Bucks. So excited to put those out there and see what the listeners think. Well, what I'm excited about, John, is it's it's running back. It's the most important position on the football field. It's, uh, there we go. Back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even beforehand, before the advent of the forward pass. But um, but no, I mean, listen, the running back position is important. Why? Because the Buccaneers deploy it, and not just on first and second downs to get carries, or or should I say predictable first down carries, right? But, but really on third downs too, right? Because that that's where the Buccaneers need to find a running back that can not only pass protect and not be a liability on the field when the Buccaneers want or need to throw the ball, whether it's third and short, whether it's third and manageable, whether it's third and long. And then they also have got to have a guy that can reliably catch the ball. And that's why we saw Ronald Jones get phased out of this Buccaneer offense because when he was on the field, John, it was predictable. Mm -hmm. uh, he was not going to probably catch the ball on third or it down. Was gonna <laughs> it, exactly. yeah, he, he was going to be bad. Exactly. Yeah, he was going to be predictably bad, right? And, yeah. and really, that was just a signal to opposing defensive coordinators to just bring the blitz because Ronald Jones not only had trouble pr protecting Tom Brady, but also just picking up the right guy. And that's half the battle when it comes to pass protection is properly identifying where mm -hmm. the blitzer's coming from and make sure you got a hat in the hole. Yep, absolutely. And look, whether we, well, however we feel about the value of the running back position is very little to do with the fact that it is clear the Bucs are going to draft one, Scott. They have brought right. in almost every running back that we have scouted for this draft. You That's know, right. Top, I, I finished tomorrow. The running back preview will drop at Peter Report. You'll read a lot of my evaluations on this class and who I think could be fits with the Bucs and so on and so forth. But there are probably, I don't know, maybe 20 draftable backs in this class, 25, depending yeah. on uh, what, how lenient your evaluations are. And the Bucks have met with over half of those guys in some capacity, whether it was at the Combine or brought right. in for a visit or local visit or Zoom, as in the case with South Dakota State running back Pierre Strong. Mm -hmm. So there's a ton of interest in the class. It really doesn't seem like there's any doubt about it that the Bucks are going to draft one. Yep, and the thing is whether you or I or anybody believes – with the value of the running back position is one thing that was made pretty clear this offseason is that the Buccaneers did value Leonard Fournette. They brought Leonard back for a big chunk of change, John, a number that I think surprised you and I when it came to how much he was able to to fetch out there on the open market. This team didn't re-sign him prior to the, um, the start of free agency, but after after yeah. what a, a week or so, or a while. couple of days, yeah. you know, it he, well, it was, I, it was a, at least a week. I, maybe yeah, more yeah, well, what was yeah, a week, it was, right? It was uh, interesting. We thought that would be his price tag. We just didn't think the Bucks would pay it. I think you and I yeah. both predicted, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, that Leonard Fournette would would sign somewhere else this offseason. For Brady coming back, maybe we would have changed changed our philosophy a little bit. But the reality is, there just were so few good running backs available. And this class at the time, at least, I thought because of what he was saying, this isn't a great running back class, and there is some truth to not wanting to plug in a rookie into a major role because whether we think the position is valid or not, it's on the field. <laughs> snap, and so you don't want a rookie necessarily shouldering that role. And he didn't bring back Fournette. There was not many paths to a situation where it would not have been a rookie playing a major role uh, in your offense in 2022 right. because there just were no real good backs available still. So Fournette is back. Keyshawn yep. Vaughn is here. And the Bucks have – Said they like him, and honestly, if they were telling the truth, there's no reason last year, based on his play, 
to be off of that. I mean, he wasn't worse last year. He got a little bit right. better. And I, we still have very low hopes for him, I think, overall. But the reality is he's there, and Keisha, and uh, Giovanni Bernard is there as well. And so I ask you this, Scott. Where would you rank running back on the list of this team's needs going into the draft? Just looking at who is definitely Leonard Fournette, Giovanni Bernard, Keyshawn Vaughn back for this upcoming season. You have four picks that are meaningful in this draft right now. Right. Forget about the late seventh rounders. Those are nothing. Correct. The four picks that are meaningful in this draft. Do you feel like this team should use one of those picks on a running back? Yeah, I think so. I would use a third or fourth round pick. Right. I, I don't see the value in any running back that would be taken in the first or second round. I don't think there's going to be a first round running back, nor should there be this year. But I, I do think that that given Giovanni Bernard, he, he got hurt. Those injuries weren't necessarily his fault. That was kind of like a one was a friendly fire incident uh, where he hurt his hip. The, the knee injury out there in L.A. in week three, he was diving into the end zone, scoring a touchdown. So it's not like Bernard is is, is a, a, a bad player. It just his production was limited due to injuries, and I believe he's 31. So he's not going to get any better this year. He might produce a little bit more if he's healthier, but he's not going to get any better in terms of, of being a running back. When when this team lost Leonard Fournette, I, I know that that we saw a pretty good game out of. Giovanni, or I'm sorry, out of uh, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn in Carolina, right? I mean, he had the big touchdown run. He had a long run. Yeah. 10 yards per carry in that game. But then you look at the production against the Panthers, or I should say against the Jets the next week, the Panthers the week after that in, in the season finale, then against the Eagles in the playoffs, and it was really kind of lackluster. I mean, you saw like mm -hmm. a guy that averaged, I believe, around 3.1, 3.2 yards per carry in those games. And that just kind of screams average to me. So if Leonard Fournette goes down for any point in time due to injury, I really have some concerns about whether Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard can carry the load and come even anywhere close to what Leonard Fournette can do. So I think that the type of running back they're looking, especially with the re-signing of Giovanni Bernard, John, is they're looking for another running back that can be a bit of a workhorse, that can mm -hmm. challenge Keyshawn Vaughn for carries on first and second down, but also be a factor on third downs. And ideally, maybe have a running back that comes in and either pushes Keyshawn Vaughn to greatness or pushes him to the bench. Mm -hmm. Make him that that solid clear-cut one-two punch with Leonard Fournette or yeah. make Keyshawn Vaughn the third guy in the depth chart, maybe the fourth, really, if you're going to use Keyshawn uh, – I'm sorry, if you're going to use Giovanni Bernard on uh, third downs. I'm torn on this one. I don't know if I would use one of these four picks. Now, if you traded back and you got more picks or if the board fell a certain way, I'd be willing to hear options. I'd be willing to listen at, at the fourth round. But, I, yeah, I just don't really – I mean, Leonard Fournette is probably going to be the feature guy here, and you have Vaughn for a couple more years, and, you know, even if he's just okay, you know, I think you're fine with that, Bernard. And you can find running backs cheap. You can find them available. You can find them off the street, um, you know, if you need – if injuries happen to fill in for you. So I kind of don't feel – I definitely don't feel like they need to draft a running back in this year's draft, but I'm not saying it would be horrible if they did. Obviously this roster is situated well enough to be able to do a couple of things and not have it be totally detrimental, but I would rather have a, a, a good fourth corner that for sure, an oh, outside yeah. corner option too. than That's a running back. I would, I would rather have a fourth defensive tackle or a fifth defensive tackle yeah. than a fourth running back. Those running those things. I, I think you yeah. can get a tight end, a defensive can line. They? That's the question. And a cornerback. Yeah. And then that's what's going to get interesting right? because edge defender too is not, I'd rather have a, a, another edge defender. Like I'd rather just have depth at those positions. Now it doesn't mean the board will fall in a certain way where there's anybody of value and you can't trade back whenever you want. Yeah. I know uh, fans and a lot of analysts do and myself probably has, has fallen prone to that at times. Like you could trade back whenever you want, just get more fixed. Right. It doesn't always work that way. And so there may be a scenario in which the board unfolds in a way that running back is clearly the pick that the buck should make. I don't really foresee that, but regardless of what I foresee, or I want uh, or think is best for the team, they are probably going to draft one with one of these top four picks. Yeah. I hope it's at least in the fourth round, or I hope they get more picks uh, and a trade back. We'll see how all of that unfolds. If you missed Thursday's episode, we did a seven-round mock draft. It was myself, JC was in here, Casey was in here. We had a lot of fun with it. The fans, you all participated as well. It was a great time. Uh, we did a seven-round mock draft. We did trade back, and we had, we made a great trade back. I think we ended up with a pretty good draft haul. I, I think it was a pretty good draft haul, yeah. so – Anyway, people can check it out. Not saying the Bucks should hire us, but not not saying that either. 
But we're going to talk about the running backs in this class, Scott, who could be the best fits for the Bucs in each range of the draft. And we're going to do that next. But before we do it, title sponsor today's podcast, Scott, is Celsius. And they are carrying us through the month of April right now. Celsius energy. No You've got the Arctic vibe there. Hold on. I'm, I'm oh right there. I yes. need that. Oh, yes. This is legit. This is the brand new flavor. Wow. I think JC tried it first, and it is legit. Arctic vibe. Sparkling frozen berry edition, and damn, it's good. It really is. That sounds is fantastic. Exactly. I got the wild berry right now, so that sounds like yep. it'd be up my alley. But there are tons of different flavors of Celsius energy drink, and there's no sugar in them. Essential energy, it accelerates your metabolism, it burns body fat. They're good for you. There's no sugar in them, and you get the boost of energy without the crash that you get from other energy drinks. So so key and the flavors are amazing i don't know how they get this much taste no sugar it's awesome stuff uh but check out celsius you can go to celsius.com use the store locator uh find out where they sell celsius near you and you can get uh, some of the new flavors like the arctic vibe scott was looking at there uh, as well also and you can also strawberry lemonade strawberry lemonade yes yeah. that's a yeah, yeah big big popular one right now and also you can go to uh the click the banner ads at pewterreport.com or do the amazon subscribe and save option and get Celsius coming to you on a regular basis as well. All right, Scott, in this class of running backs, um, there have been many opinions. You and I looked at some boards mm -hmm. just today that all over the place, it feels like people yeah. do not have a very strong consensus as to who the top running back in the class is. I think you and I both agree that no running backs are going to be drafted in the first round the way we see it. Correct. Right? Nor yes. should the Bucs consider one at 27. Absolutely correct. Nor okay. should anybody consider one at 27. Nor should anybody consider Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, if you want a running back, if you need a running back, mm. middle of the second round, at the end of the second round would probably be the ideal place to get running back one. Who Who's RB1? Is it is it Brees Hall? Is he the guy? Is it Kenneth Walker? Is it maybe Isaiah Spiller? That's to be determined, right? This is one of those drafts at the running back position. There's no clear consensus number one guy. This is beauties in the eye of the beholder. And uh, for the Buccaneers, it, it kind of starts by eliminating Kenneth Walker because they just can't afford to get into a situation where they draft a running back who is not a factor on passing downs. They thought that Ronald Jones with his limited opportunities could grow into that role. And it, it just never happened. He was a running back at USC, not really a pass catcher. He got a pedestrian 12 or 15 catches, uh, targets, opportunities, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. Kind of the same thing with Walker there, just enough to kind of, Eh, can he do it? Eh, not sure. Yeah, but there's a lot of running backs in this draft that can catch the ball, and I think the Buccaneers have spent some time really honing in on those players. Yeah, this is going to be a fascinating class because some teams might see Kenneth Walker as RB one. It's kind of like the tight end group, which we'll talk about, you know, yes. uh, probably on Wednesday maybe. But it's kind of like that in that it really doesn't feel like there's anybody who's consensus one, and even if there is, they shouldn't go that high. And also, it's going to the fit is going to be important. Like yeah. there's just I just don't see the Bucs drafting a Kenneth Walker, although he's a very good player and I like him a lot. I believe he's my RB2 right now. I really enjoy his game. There's not much there from a pass production, passing downs production standpoint. And we know the Bucs really tend to value that and what they look for at that position. And so I don't know that he'd be on the Bucs board, but he's an RB2 right. for me. RB1 for me is be a great Bucs fit, I think, but he's never linked to the Bucs, it feels like. Brees Hall from mm -hmm. Iowa State. I watched him, and I know uh, Josh Capo on our staff is a big Brees Hall fan as well. I like him a lot. I have, so out there play yeah. a lot. Destroyed my Wildcats. <laughs> I have very few <laughs> questions about Brees Hall, and yes. I've seen some other people that are lower on him, and I just wonder why that is the case because he has burst. He is the three most important things I look for at the running back position are contact balance. Can you absorb hits and keep moving forward? Can you break tackles? Because that all in, in elusiveness ties in into NFL. that. It's yeah, you a, have to be able to create on your own. Like otherwise, yep. you're just a replaceable back. I can you might get a thousand yards, but I'll just throw you behind a good offensive line or a good scheme. You're right. not necessarily creating a lot of that on your own. We see this in Shannon's offense every year. You could put you know, any dude back there and he's, you know, he's not creating his own, but the scheme mm -hmm. is creating for him. But if you want a running back, especially high in the draft, are you going to value him high in the draft where some of these top guys should go? They have to be able to create. So the tackle breaking is big for me um, in the burst and acceleration with the ball in their hands is big for me. Can you change the angles for defenders? Can you yep. get through small creases quickly? 
maximize what little space in the NFL. There's not much space. Period. You don't have that's it's right. not like college where you, you run into these have boxes. A wide and, side of the field. Yeah, you don't have these huge you. alleyways. Yeah. Right. So those two things, and then vision, of course, which I do think is more common than the other things, but it's still really important. You got to have it, I think, um, to be able to maximize the pace, the vision, the time, the yeah. technique of running. So those three things, and I think Hall has all of them, and I'm just like. Why isn't this guy? He can pass, he pass protects, he catches the ball, right. he makes people miss in space. He looks and amazing. I get a theory about why he's not connected to the Buccaneers more, and that's because he is They're going draft to be. Him. No, <laughs> I think it's going to be. It's because he is a second round pick. And I, mm -hmm. I think that if you look at the running backs, they have focused a lot of their attention on it's third, fourth, fifth round guys. It's they don't have a fifth round pick, but they could trade back. They could right. trade up. They could trade, you know, uh, a four next year and a seven this year, move up to the fifth. I mean, there's a lot of things they can do to get one of those those players. So to me, the players they focused on are the guys in round three, four, and five mostly. I think the highest caliber player running back that they've they've focused on, again, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But you could say Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. You could say Damian Pierce from Florida. Those are two players that are, you know, third round guys, maybe fourth round guys, depending on uh, which running backs go ahead of them. Do Walker and Hall go first? And then all of a sudden, one of those guys is the third best running back. And then our team is drafting for need and running back isn't one of them, right? I mean, that's just, that factors into it too. So I, I think that's why, John, is, is I think Brees Hall will go in the second round. I think he and Walker are second round backs. They're talented. And, and that's where I think they're going to go. I just don't think the yeah. Buccaneers are going to draft a running back in the first or second round, which leaves them mm -hmm. with a fourth round to get the job done if they're going to get one. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it'll be in that third or fourth round. It'll be one of those two picks would be my guess. And that's probably exactly right, Scott. They think that Walker and Hall are probably going to be off the board before that point in time. They did meet with Hall, I believe, at the Combine. They may have met with Walker there, too. I can't remember now off our tracker um, that's up on our site. But – uh, those are both n names that I think, again, if they were looking early and hadn't gotten Fournette back, for example, right. again, it was a big priority maybe. But right now, I do think they've kind of settled into this this other tier for a lot mm -hmm. of people. Uh, and the player I like the most at the top of it is RB3, Scott, is Isaiah Spiller. I am, yeah, I'm a huge Isaiah Spiller fan. Like, I watched his tape, and I know he ran a 4-6, but we've seen so many times that the 40 is not a huge deal for a running back if you have other traits. Sure. And yes, if there's one knock, he's not overly explosive, but he is agile. His contact balance is terrific. You talk about having natural instincts and feel as yeah. a rusher. You can get outside doors and in the, in, around the box and slip away from defenders and maximize touches and carries. He's got the size. He picks people up in pass protection. He runs good routes out of the backfield. Great hands. There's not a lot of weaknesses with his game. He's not as explosive and he's not the home run hitter that Brees Hall is. Other than that, I think they bring a lot of the same. They have a lot of home runs in the NFL, John. I mean, nope. guess who had a home run for the Buccaneers a couple of years ago? Ronald Jones, right? Yeah, he had a ninety right. what ninety two yard or ninety eight yarder. Yeah, ninety eight yarder against the Carolina Panthers. That's great. It, you know, he didn't even have two hundred yards in the game, but but yeah, he he fared really well in that game. It didn't do anything for him for the long term because the guy couldn't pass protect. What you're getting out of Isaiah Spiller is a guy that can get first downs. He can rip off some 20 yarders. I've got no doubt at the NFL level, he can get a chunk plays by the twenties, maybe the 30 yards. He's not going to rip off the, the 90 yarders. He's just not, but you don't see that very often in the NFL. Why? Because there's no wide side of the field. Defenders are faster at every level defensive line, Linebacker level, secondary, they take better angles, the better tacklers. So when you've got a guy like Spiller that can do everything from pass protection to catching the ball, which is also why they're interested in him. And and I think he reminds me a little bit of Kareem Hunt. I think Hunt's lower body, I think he's got thicker thighs and maybe does a little bit job, a little bit better job breaking tackles. But I think this guy's right there. He's not fast, he's more quick. But he will slip tackles, he will break tackles, and I'm with you, John. I, I do think that he is the third best running back in this draft class. Like all running backs, for the most part, I think he needs a really good offensive line in front of him to maximize yes. what he does as a pure rusher because he is not 
he's not necessarily this small back that's going to slip through this tiny little crease. He, he right. needs some some gaps and movement up front. Maybe that's true of all these guys. I think the one thing Spiller does well, he runs with pretty low pads where if there's one knock I have on Brees Hall, he is a little bit more of an upright runner. I, he didn't yeah. take a lot of shots. He's not like Jerome Ford, who we'll talk about in a little bit in terms of just literally running straight up and down yeah. like that. But yo, I could see that being a concern with some teams in the NFL. But with Spiller, I don't see that concern. Um, you know, his grades for PFF are outstanding, which is, makes it more even more funny to me uh, that that he that he has a fifth round grade for them. It's like they don't trust their own system because in pretty much every area he he crushes it. But they the, the running back class is insane. PFF, for example, has a fifth round grade on Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, and they he is 150th on their board, and he is the 11th ranked running back for them. Yeah, on and the I, board. I, don't, I don't. Meanwhile, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kyle Krabs, we saw today over at the Draft Network, has him as his number one running back in the class, right. but does not have Brees Hall when it is top 10, I believe. I think Brees Hall is number 10, I believe. 10 was or he 11. number 10? Okay, yeah. he was number 10 in his running back rankings. PFF yeah. was in the other end, obviously, and sees Brees Hall as one of the top backs in the class, I believe, and then Spiller way down the board. So it is that's how it is. You look around, and that's really how it is. Now, Dane Brugler is very close to me in terms of what he has. We have very similar rankings in terms of, I believe he has Walker first, Hall second, and Spiller third. And I have Hall, Walker, Spiller. But the, the opinions on Spiller really are kind of all over the place. But just to give yeah. you an example of how hard he is to tackle, for PFF last year, forced 56 missed tackles, which is tied mm -hmm. for 23rd in the FBS. His elusive rating, which is the rating they use missed tackles plus um, uh, number of defenders you made mm -hmm. miss, like in space with elusiveness, was a 120, one of the highest yeah. in the nation with an elusive rating. So he, again, these are things you all see on tape when you watch him. He consistently he's is able to, even if he doesn't, he's slippery, even he's if he's powerful. not a home run, he, yeah, he's not going to take losses for, he's not going to take L's for, he's going to fight for every yard. I don't think he's a special player by any stretch of the imagination. Right. I have either a late second or an early third round grade on him. So I see yeah. him as like a Do you solid think he's than good starter. Vaughn? But I think he's better than Keyshawn Vaughn for sure. Okay. And Keyshawn I think Vaughn was the third round could, pick. So would you, would you yeah, be satisfied you if the Bucs took Spiller in the third round? Like I said, I probably wouldn't draft a running back if I were the Bucs, period, unless they got more picks for whatever reason. Uh, just because I don't really feel like they need one. And I, I would rather <laughs> take other <laughs> positions. But it, But – Yes, if they took Isaiah Spiller at the end of the third round, I do think it'd be, you know, that'd be good value in terms of what he brings to the table. I do think he's better. I think he could be better than Leonard Fournette, but people know, you know, I, I don't think Leonard Fournette's anything special either. So, right. um, you know, I, I, but I, that's how I feel about him. Yeah. Damian yeah. Pierce is one that's been popping. You've kind of run the full gamut on Damian Pierce. Scott, talk uh, yeah. to us about yeah. your evolution and how you feel about Pierce. I didn't like Damian Pierce. Now I do. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> no, to offer what some changed for you. What changed was uh, just I kept watching the film, and 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 I, I sometimes I think everybody when you're doing an evaluation you can get uh, the first impression bias, right? And uh, like for example, I, I liked Rashad White a lot the first time I watched his his film. I've kind of picked apart his game a little bit ever since then, and even with Tyler Algier it was the same way. I really liked Tyler Algier a lot out of BYU, and for me. Uh, what I liked about Algier is just the power. He just reminded me so much of, of James Conner. And then I got into the Baylor tape. And Baylor's defense, and trust me, being a Big 12 guy, I know, it's legit. Mm -hmm. Dave Aranda is one of my favorite defensive minds. Jalen Petrie had a good game in that one. The Baylor defensive front. And you were talking about a good offensive line. And, John, he kind of had that at BYU. But the thing about Algier is he really needs a hole. He's got power, but he doesn't have a lot of acceleration. So it's one of those situations where mm -hmm. when when he has a hole, look out, because then he can use that power, but he really can't create on his own nearly as much. And and what I what I did like about Pierce was the more I watched him, I saw him being able to create on his own. This guy is is built like an absolute bowling ball. I mean, he he is just a, a tank, right? He's got a tremendously strong lower body, upper body, uses a stiff arm well. Um, he's got a great little jump cut. And the jump cut reminds me a little bit of Peyton Barber. And so that was kind of my first knock on him was the Florida Gator uniform reminded me of Ernest Graham, who was a good, not great back. Uh, nothing really special about Ernest. Uh, he's just a, a solid Buccaneer running back back in the day. 
the, the size r- reminded me of Peyton Barber and, and Damian Pierce is not a fast guy, four, five, nine, very similar to Algier, very similar to, to uh, Isaiah Spiller, but John, his, his ability to catch the ball and pass protect, he stood out big time at the senior bowl as a pass protector, mm-hmm. but this is a well-rounded guy. And, and I, I kind of faulted him for not having a lot of, of opportunities. Uh, he split carries at Florida with Malik Davis. And and I, you know, that's not his fault, right? When he was out there, he did produce. He averaged between five and six yards per carry. He scored 13 touchdowns as a senior. I held it against him that he didn't really produce against UCF, which is one of the worst tackling teams that I I was there at the Gasparilla Bowl watching that. But just, I kept watching him. I got into more tape, more games. And I just saw the little nuances. And I thought, okay, well, you know, he had 75 yards in this game on 11 carries, on 12 carries. What would happen mm-hmm. if he had 20 carries? What would the production be? And he's a bigger back, John. And I think with bigger backs, too, it's fair to add in more he's carries and you're going to get more yards because yeah. of that wear down factor, that attrition factor that can kick in when, when all of a sudden you're getting the ball in the fourth quarter. And like we talked about uh, last week, Leonard Fournette, right? That Colts game. When did the long touchdown run come? When did he get get 100 yards? In the fourth quarter when the Colts defense was tired. So that's kind of been my evolution on, on Damian Pierce. He's a great character guy. I have had not had the chance to interview him, but you have. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Bucks fit. He's the Bucks fun. brought him in on the local day. They, they interviewed him at the Combine. I think there's some legit interest there, and I would not be surprised at all if um, if he's the Bucks' best bet, by the way. Yeah, really just a good player who never got the chances I feel like he should have gotten um, in Florida. And typically when that happens, you wonder mental mistakes, buy-in, conditioning. Don't think any of those things are the case with him. I mean, no drops, no fumbles last year. Top of the country, obviously, in those regards. Obviously didn't get a ton of carries. We're talking about a guy who saw much less of the ball than compared to a walker or spiller. I mean, he ran some routes. I mean, he he made a great catch in the end zone above his head. I mean, he... Yeah. He can legit catch the ball and not just swing passes yeah. and screen passes. And, you know, he made people miss, too, at a rate that was pretty unbelievable. I mean, missed tackles 39 for the year that he forced because, remember, he didn't get as many carries. So his missed tackles per attempt right. were was third in the FBS. Mm-hmm. So per attempt, third in it. So he's a very difficult person to tackle. And right. and I've said this saying, before. God, people people you're, you're freak right. out about Fournette-sized running backs, but – when you're five eight and five ten, five nine, and you're the same weight, like we're talking about 218, right. 220 pounds, that is way better as a running back because your center of gravity is so low. Yeah. You're he harder to hit. Ball. There's less of your legs that are visible for, for defenders to target. And you the impact you have, like your shoulders at their chest level. Mm-hmm. So now you're going right into their chest. He's a violent runner, too, man. He, I mean, yeah, he, he's he runs aggressive with, with violence. Yeah, he's very like tough. He's a he's a buck fit, and but that problem is like the, you aren't going to find like one out of Spiller, Pierce, and Algier who you mentioned already that isn't really a bucks fit. I mean, Algier, Correct. you're right, he's not explosive, and that's the knock on him. He's just not a great athlete. Yeah. Pierce isn't a great athlete all over, but he is extraordinarily explosive at least mm-hmm. to a degree. Algier is a tank though, Scott. I mean, yeah. he just would mow through guys, and that probably yeah. won't carry over totally to the NFL. But he's huge. He's a big yeah. back with great vision. He gets it. He'll play special teams. He's tough. You know, to me, he's his ceiling should be probably that end of the third round where the Bucks pick, you know, mm-hmm. in a vacuum. Um, he wouldn't be my first choice necessarily, but the more you watched him, the more fun it was to kind of watch him because he was just a load for anybody to get on the ground. It was so difficult to take him down. He just is very good balance. Very much reminds me of James Conner, and probably yeah. a ceiling for him would be James Conner as a rusher who had like you know, one or two really good years out there mm-hmm. just because he's a crazy tackle breaker. Connor, never super explosive, but right. guys hit him and they just would bounce yep. off. And Gets it was the job done. Was his best chain. year in Pittsburgh was like jaw dropping, Scott, yeah. because it was just didn't make any sense. He wasn't like moving that fast. Right. Guys would hit him and just fall to the ground. And that's what happened with Algier in college. They're, you know, similar size. So, yeah, yeah I, I see a, a future for Algier where he could have couple really productive seasons and then just be a really yeah, good backup in the NFL. The Bucks drafting him, but they just ha- they haven't shown the interest in yeah. him like they have with Pierce and Spiller so far. 
And you know what else is a load, John? The burgers you can get at Beef of Brady's. You want beefy? Nobody outbeefs beefs. Try the O'Brady Burger, made with premium Angus, perfectly seasoned and topped with melted provolone. It's an all-star, just like that other Brady in town. And if you're tailgating, you might want to pile on Beef's award-winning wings, too. Traditional or boneless in whatever sauce or dry rub you crave. Dine-in, to-go, or even catering. Play it your way. See you at Beef's. Hey, folks, if you are looking for the classics, look no further than Beef or Brady's. They got them all. Wings, nachos, Angus burgers, and, of course, beer. Put them all together, and what have you got? Beef or Brady's, if you're hungry for tailgating greatness, Beef's has got you covered there, too. From their to-go menu to their full-on catering, Beef or Brady's. When game time meets family time or chilling with friends all the time, visit their 45 Tampa Bay area Beef or Brady's locations or visit them online at beefobrady's.com. See you at Beef's. And, John, the cool thing about Beef or Brady's is they're going to be sponsoring our Pewter Report three-day draft show, which is coming up. And that's extremely cool, Scott. Of, of days. <laughs> yes, so. and this is the first time the listeners are hearing about it, so we're very excited about it. An awesome sponsor uh, for our draft show. We're extremely excited about that. For people who don't know, we'll be live all three days of the draft. For every pick of the draft, every round, we'll go live. Yeah, Advent Health for- Training Center. Yes, at the Advent Health Training Center for pre-draft coverage, and we'll be on until the draft is over each day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not this week, but next week, and the whole team will be there. It's going to be a great time with the Pewter Report gang, so make sure you're all tuned in, you're telling people, spreading the word, and subscribing to the podcast, first of all, but we are pretty pumped to have Beef O'Brady's as the, uh, the sponsor of the draft show. No doubt about it. All right, let's keep moving here, Scott. Uh, somebody asked a question here. I know it's not a running back question, but what happened to AM's, Texas AM's, uh, Jalen uh, Weidermeyer? Uh, right. He was highly touted and fell off the map. Here's what happened to him he went to the to his pro day, he didn't run at the combine, didn't do anything at the combine. Came in 255, about almost 6'4 at the combine. Yeah. Um, you know, 81 inch wingspan. So check the boxes there. At his pro day, at his pro day, which you typically yeah. add time to because you're faster at the pro day. He ran a 50140. <laughs> that's that's not bad for an offensive lineman, Jeff. That's not well, bad for an offensive lineman. Unfortunately, oh, yes, yeah. he's 257 pounds. Yeah. He also had a 25 and a half inch vertical jump, Scott. This is that's not even good for an offensive lineman. And this guy's that's, 255. Scott Reynolds range, probably. Nine <laughs> one broad jump. It was brutal. Like there's no other way to put it. He had almost a one eight ten yard split as a 257 yeah. pound that's man. Bad. That's that's not NFL caliber athleticism. So no. I have not studied his tape. When you get to this range of poor athleticism, there's no real prototype for guys becoming yeah. great that aren't great blockers. I already asked some people, is he a great blocker? Is he worth watching? No, he's not a great blocker. No, okay, well, then he's probably he not really bring any player. special teams value either because he yeah. was a starter at Texas A&M for multiple years. So yeah. he doesn't really do a lot for you, and that, that might even cost him being drafted, John. He might be an undrafted free agent or – a guy that you just look at his college produ- college production and take a flyer on in the seventh round and say, well, you know, maybe he had a really bad testing period yeah. and yeah, and we can get something out of him. So yeah, I mean, this is this was PFF's number one tight end going into the combine. So yeah, they saw something that they liked. I just He's watched a little player. bit and There's asked around. Yeah. Out. Really and there college. were there were some there were some is he in good condition questions too mm-hmm. um yeah. based on college so just based on that from his college tape and then combine that with not looking like he was ready didn't do anything at the combine and then not looking like he was ready for his pro day you know could yeah could impact things in terms of his evaluation all right uh let's keep rolling here with the running backs yep. um in this class because scott there are a ton of them that we think could be potential fits for the Bucs. We've talked a little bit about a good bit about Algier, and we've talked about Damian Pierce and Isaiah Spiller. We believe right now that Spiller and Pierce are pretty like on our board, our best best bets will drop tomorrow. Yeah. Not going to give anything away, but we think those guys are in the mid-round somewhere, whether it's right. you know, third, third or fourth, fourth yeah. something mm-hmm. in that range. You can see it. Like I said, some people think Spiller's a fifth rounder, some people think he's a second rounder. Like it's yep. all over the place. Mm-hmm. Those are guys that we have pretty touted for the Bucks, you know, tabbed for them for sure. Another guy who has been in for a visit, a top 30 visit with the Bucks is James Cook oh, from Georgia. Oh, you tr- you trying to guess what I, I see what I, you're I'm, trying I'm to do. Yeah, I was gonna say Rashad White. I am gonna talk about White. He's okay. next on the list, but I want to touch on James Cook just because we haven't talked about him 
really at all, Scott. Correct. And he is a player, great acceleration and burst. But when I watched him, first of all, he's one of the smallest backs that, that yeah. the Bucks have considered and brought in here. Correct. Second, I did not see a player that profiled as an every down player, nor did I see somebody exactly. who was special as a receiving back that I would prioritize drafting him high in that I think, regard. I think he's kind of special, but the thing is, is, is he is a third down back. And I, and I, th I think the reason why I'm a little cool on him is if, if they had not brought back Giovanni Bernard, then I would be all over James Cook and say, that might be a fit. I just don't know that I would feel comfortable if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into the season with Leonard Fournette, Giovanni Bernard, Keyshawn Vaughn, and James Cook, because I see James Cook as a younger version of Giovanni Bernard. And trust me, I watched a ton of Georgia football. My, my wife's from Georgia. I've watched the Bulldogs for years. Why? Because of the running backs, mostly. Going back to Todd Gurley and then the, the Chubb days with uh, Sony Michelle, et cetera. I've just, it's been a team I've watched an awful lot. Go Dogs. That being said, I did like James Cook better than Zamir White, a lot better. Because Samir White was not a factor at all in third downs. I mean, this was the third down guy. And the reason why is, is because he does this. He catches the ball. And not just on swing passes and, and, and uh, wide receiver or running back screens. He goes down the field. And he will run wheel routes. He will do some things in the passing game that are pretty special for running back. He's got some great speed to him. But, John, you mentioned the size. About 190 pounds. I mean, that that's light by today's NFL standards. And I just don't know where he would fit in. And again, I'm looking this looking at this through the prism of what if Leonard Fournette is out for three to four games? Yeah. What is the running back sure. situation like? And yeah. I just I just don't see another running back. If if you're gonna give me James Cook mm -hmm. and Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn, another running back that's gonna go between the tackles in that gap scheme that the Bucks like to run and and get 18 carries a game and come close to 100 yards and mm -hmm. be a factor in the run game, not just the pass game. I think James Cook just has a limited number of teams that he'll fit on. Like, first of all, not many teams just really prioritize making sure they have a pass catching back, like an exclusive pass catching back. Not a lot of teams want their back. You know, you showed that picture there running vertical routes. Like, they just don't have a role for that in their offense, like very right. often. So there will be scheme fits that are better for him. You know, Miami could be one, San Francisco mm -hmm. could be one where outside zone heavy and just kind of allow him to get on his track and use his burst right. and his speed or his best traits. Um, don't think he's the tackle breaker that even Samir white is and some things like that. Don't know if he's elite elusive or anything like that, or any Alvin Kamara like traits in terms right. of his ability in space. But I don't think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't really see him as a box fit, to be honest with you. I, th I think that there are other players that they'd prioritize more. And I think, White's fit, Zamir White, to stay on that track just and finish mm -hmm. the Georgia guys. I just think he fits more teams in a role, even if his role is, you're right, right. not really one that's that shows anything in the passing game. Very similar to Nick Chubb, still at this point in his career, not saying he's a similar player, but that was the same right. thing with Chubb. Like he didn't really get the passing down reps. So, so he, wasn't really, yeah, he wasn't really proven in pass protection. He wasn't really proven as a receiver. And we're into his career now, and it really has not been an area where he's made a great mark. I think Zamir White could be a very good rusher in the NFL behind a good offensive line. Mm -hmm. Though I did like some things about his tape. He does not waste any time behind the line of scrimmage. You know, even yeah. if I wanted a rip spiller a little bit, I would say there's times where he, you know, he's just very yeah. patient. I I mean, White doesn't waste any time. He finds the track and it's downhill immediately. And even at the second level, you know, good decisiveness. He's just not going to dance around a whole lot. So there's usually right. a roles for guys like that in the NFL, even if it's just, be the backup running back, you know, who go line short yardage, you know, white, take a drive or two, that kind of stuff. Of a little bit bigger Keyshawn Vaughn. Like, I think that's the kind of guy that he is. And and I think if you're looking for something a little bit more special, th then James Cook can offer that. He's He's got some flash to his game. He is the lightning if you already have a thunder. Yeah. Again, the problem is, is do you want two Giovanni Bernard types on this team? Is that really going to help you in case something happens to Leonard Fournette, and I don't think that's the case. I, I think that that the other guy that I, I was uh, alluding to was Rashad White. He's a bigger back, and they've also had him in, like James Cook, on a top 30 visit. They interviewed him at the Combine, and I think that he is another player. We're talking about Spiller, Pierce, and I think White is that other guy that 
one of those three guys I think is going to end up being a Buccaneer. I think that that White is probably a fourth round pick, where Spiller is definitely a third round pick, maybe. And Pierce could be third or or fourth, depending on how much the, the team likes him. But this is an interesting player. Uh, I liked him an awful lot when I first started watching the tape because of the pass catching ability. This guy caught over forty passes as uh, um, as really a one year starter. He he played some, but was the full time starter this year at Arizona State. Ended up with a thousand yards on the nose as a runner. But this was a high volume pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with big time production, and I like I like the average. I like what he did with the ball in his hands as a runner and a receiver. The pass protection, he even talked about that to you and Matt Matera at the NFL Scouting Combine. It's it's about want to. It's an area I think that he can grow into, but he showed enough to where I think he's dangerous. I think he can get the job done. I his upright running style reminds me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell. He's kind of a of a patient runner, almost to a fault sometimes where he doesn't show enough sense of urgency, but he's such a big running back. And I don't mean uh, necessarily a bruising type of running back, but he's long. He's a long running back to where when he falls forward, you're getting four yards at the very least. So I think he's a Bucks fit. I can see why they like him. And if, if they ended up drafting him, um, I, I would not be sad about it. I, I think he's a quality player. This was very difficult for me because he obviously has one of the best fits in the entire – just pop that picture back up again yeah. if you would real quick. Either of those or both of them. He's one of the best fits in the entire entire college football. I mean, there's just no question about it. The jerseys, the aesthetics, everything. Like he's, yeah. he's got the, the bands on the leg. Like he's got the, yeah. the, 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 uh, the yellow sleeve, the tape on the wrist, the yellow gloves. I mean, I mean unbelievable. Like. Hard. Yeah, he just looks awesome on the hoof. Like, there's no question. And shout out Arizona State. The Sun Devils have absolutely nasty jerseys. Like, You're they're crazy so good. You're crazy. Easily one of my top. Uh, yep, it's probably too. two or three. Maybe my top in college football. I absolutely. I like love the it. old Sparky logo too. I mean, I, I'm I'm digging the Trident, but it, I, I think the, the Trident is sick. Yes, the is, whole thing. Yeah. I love it. Yep. I just didn't. I didn't get it with him. Like, I didn't. I is there a flashy college plays? Yes, but I always think what translates to the NFL. If you were going to be a passing downs back. You got to be able to protect. You got to be able to run routes. I think he needs to work in those areas. Um, I think he's athletic. I think he has good hands. Those are good starting points. Developmental running backs aren't really a thing in the NFL. If they were, I would feel better. Like most of the time, these teams want you can I hit the ground running and be able to contribute. I thought his vision was lacking as a pure rusher. So I'm probably a little bit lower on him than you. The Bucks have obviously shown interest. So I'm not going to argue with you about whether they're, you know, could potentially draft him or not. It seems clear that there's enough interest there that it would be foolish for me to make the argument they wouldn't. I, I don't know if he'll be the highest on their board, but again, if you get into that day three range, that round four right. range, and you're looking for a back, he could be a guy pass catching. He definitely adds something as like a weapon type, but we have not seen a lot of those players really work out into full-time roles in the NFL. So he has to improve things as a pure rusher, I think, become more decisive and find his lanes a little bit quicker in that area, if he does that, there's an upside for him because he's a good athlete, and you said he's good size. But I don't know that we see that kind of improvement from running backs too often in the NFL. So it will be interesting to see where his career heads. I just I would he's rather a, have other guys. A one year wonder, right? Because if if you look at, yeah. at the Pac-12 during the COVID year, they only played four games. Like that was yeah. their whole season. You saw the and he's 23. Yeah, yeah. So All you right. saw the playing a full slate of games. But out there in the Pac-12, they they they, they said we're not going to play. Then they reneged, and they said, okay, we are going to play. And then they only played four games. And in two of those four games, he had 133 yards, averaged 13.3 yards per carry, and three touchdowns against Arizona. 13 carries, 158 yards, 12.2 yard average, and two t- touchdowns against uh, Oregon State. The problem with his production, and again. This past year, 202 yards and three touchdowns against the Trojans, Mm -hmm. 32 carries for 184 yards, two touchdowns against Washington, the Huskies. The problem is the the Pac-12 defenses just aren't what they used to be. I mean, or maybe maybe they never were, but that's not a a conference known for their defense, right? Right. People used to make fun of Big 12 defenses, and rightly so, when you had all of these um, you know, type of, of spread offense teams, the air raid teams, you know, when Baylor was running it and Texas Tech were running it and it went Oklahoma, et cetera, you know, you look at, at the scores on some of these big 12 games 
And, you know, you're in the, it's 50 to 44. That, you know, that's that's the shootout because teams couldn't play defense. The Big right. 12 defense have gotten better. The Pac-12 really haven't. So you, you have to factor in sometimes, too, okay, these players have big games. Who would they do it against, right? What's the level of competition? And it's a little bit of a question mark for Rashad White, given the conference he played in. Yeah, it is. And even the schemes, it's all tricky. Like when you look at these backs, the bottom line I keep going back to with all, all these guys is I think that they could probably all be pretty good in the NFL, like if yeah. the situation's right, which is kind of why I feel like I just think there's a lot of good running backs out yeah. there in, in college football. And the, if you give them a good offensive line and scheme in the NFL, I think a lot of these guys would be productive. Um, I just tend to go with guys that can't run the ball as well. I tend to be like a little bit skeptical because then how right. do you get on the field? Are there roles for a lot of these guys that are going to be career sustaining where yeah. they're mainly pass catchers? Brian Robinson from Alabama. I yeah. this is super interesting. We've seen some lists that have him high, Scott. And yep. then other people just think he's a day three yep. power back. And I watched him and it's difficult to scout him because Alabama just knocks everybody over up front. So he right. doesn't really have many tough decisions. To be fair, he can get vertical in a flow head of steel every time. He knocked the crap out of Cincinnati. <laughs> he's know. huge. He's a big I guy. Mean, huge running back and physical, aggressive runner. Uh, I think his head's on right. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot to like for sure. Again, a guy that I think when I watched him, I, I definitely I have no idea if they're even. I think they are close to the same size. I don't know if Tevin Coleman was as big, but I, I did see some Tevin Coleman in the way that he runs, just kind of an upright runner. Not super elusive, but if you get him on that vertical track and mm -hmm. you give him a runway to start, right. he's going to be hard because acceleration is good. And honestly, yeah. he can just too big. Like It's hard to hit him in space when he's yeah. got when he's moving. Almost reminds yeah. me a little bit of Bo Scarborough, who's another Alabama running back who just was kind of like that power guy and just yeah. didn't. Bo really... just couldn't get healthy, couldn't stay healthy. His Correct. were cooked. Yeah. Um, with Robinson, he is that, that kind of power back. But but the limitations in the passing game, the pass protection element, the the running game elements, um, or I should say that the, the uh, pass catching element just really weren't there for him as they were for a Spiller, for a Pierce, for a Rashad White. And so th that to me is kind of the question mark there with, with the Buccaneers in their fit is what type of of weapon can he be? Could he be an option for the Buccaneers uh, on third downs? You look, he had um, 35 catches last year, which was a huge improvement from the previous year when he only had six catches for 26 yards. So he had 35 catches, 296 yards. So he, he mm -hmm. did make a big step in that, that area. Same thing as a runner, 482 yards, splitting carries in 2020. With Najee Harris, then all of a sudden he gets the chance to be the guy, 13-43. So he's a little bit of a late bloomer, had to wait and kind of bide his time. And, and uh, you know, he might be a guy that his his best football is at the next level. Uh, I think the Buccaneers would love to, and, and they have. They've had him in for a visit. They're doing some homework on him. And, and I think, too, there are some similarities, John, between his game and the game of, of Hassan Haskins, who's another big back, this one from Michigan. Yeah, Haskins was harder for me to to enjoy on tape. I just didn't think as quite as much of his game. Not that I was this massive Brian Robinson fan, but I immediately said, "Oh wow, okay, give this guy an offensive line in the NFL, and he's going to yeah. maximize like what's there." He didn't have any problem, in my opinion, with the basics of the position. And right. usually, if you're that and you're good, I mean, you're at a four five three forty at two hundred twenty five pounds and nearly mm -hmm. six two. We're talking about Brian Robinson here. Yeah, he's huge. I mean, he yeah. can and he can absolutely move now. I really just personally didn't see like a high ceiling with Robinson. And I know he did catch the ball a little bit this past year. Yeah. I should say a lot this past year. You know, he actually made some contributions in that. But right. when I watched the tape, at least it seemed like it was mostly like swing downs and check out and yeah, yeah stuff right. like that. Didn't really do a ton with it, considering, you know, the fact that everybody on the field for his team is usually better than the other team. I didn't see anything <laughs> special per se. Um, yeah. But a guy that in the right situation, I could see people being like, wow, you got to pick him up in fantasy in like year three or something like that. Yeah. Um, Haskins to me, uh, I, you know, I didn't watch a ton, but what I've seen of him, I don't think he's as strong as, right. as Robinson or as violent as Robinson. He is tough, no question about it. Um, but I didn't see anything from him that made me think this guy should be a starter, is going to be one of the top 32 or 40 backs in the league. Like I just didn't, I know he's big and he's got uh, a 228 pound frame. So he even checked in bigger. At basically yeah. the same height uh, and size as Robinson, but to me, Robinson just ran 
so much stronger and just looked so much more violent when he ran. I agree. And if you're looking at that picture, that's what he does best, score touchdowns. He had 20 rushing touchdowns last year, and and very similar to Robinson in the fact that he had to bide his time and was a breakout player. Only ran for 375 yards in 2020. That changed this year, 1,327 yards, about a 5.0-yard yards per carry average, 18 catches, 131, not a huge guy in in, the, in terms of pass protection. Um, didn't really get those opportunities to catch mm-hmm. the ball that much either. And I think you're looking at, whereas, whereas John, I think Robinson has a much wider variety. He could go from, what, round three maybe to round five. I think Haskins is more of like a day three guy. Yeah, Haskins is definitely a day three guy. And I think Robinson is probably a day three guy too, but you're right. I could see maybe sneaks into the end of round three, but UD's in the eye of the beholder. That's yes, that's Haskins would be shocking to me if he is drafted. I would even say before the fifth round. Now, right. good things about Haskins. He is raved about at Michigan. They talk a lot about his toughness and how much he's committed to is committed to the program, to the organization and um, all that kind of stuff he's experienced on special teams. That's important when you get into his draft range. You know, if you're not going to be a guy that contributes for carries necessarily right away, um, you know, how much do you contribute on special teams and things like yeah. that? Um, Brugler's draft guide says coaches say he is universally respected in the locker room because of his work ethic and determination and everything he does. A guy I believe that, yeah, late fourth round pick for the Bucks was probably his ceiling range. But if they added more picks and a trade back, he could be a fifth round target. Even better. Definitely yeah. fits a lot of the other criteria. I just right. didn't see a guy who would ever push to be your starter. Yeah. And he's a kind of between the tackle kind of guy, can do the work around the goal line. He is more like Leonard Fournette than a James Cook, but still I'm with you. A day three guy that that eh, we'll see what yeah. the episode also is. was injured and did not put any testing forward. Uh and I think athleticism was a question mark for him right. and he didn't have any no pro day, no combine. Yeah, nothing exactly. like that. So yeah. but listen, when it comes to to questions, you probably have some about your finances, and these guys at Immuni Financial can give you the answers. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy for you. Thank you, thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. John, we got to get to Colorado, right? Well, how do you mm-hmm. do that? You, you know, you retire, then you go hit the slopes and you get some golf in and and really enjoy places like Colorado or Florida. We have a lot to do down here too. And retirement is a big thing for the state of, of Florida and for Floridians. A lot of people move down here. And you want to make sure that retirement is on your mind, regardless of your age. Managing your family's wealth means more to immunity financial than simply allocating your assets. It means talking about retirement, making sure that your retirement accounts are squared away, that you have got enough money saved away for your college uh, funds for your kids, whether it comes to insurance services, brokerage and advisory services, legacy planning, the folks at Immuni Financial have you covered from a financial perspective. Over 40 years of experience here in the Tampa Bay market, let Immuni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. And they can also help you outside the state of Florida too. So do what I did. Give Immunity Financial a call at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com. And John, speaking about retirement, Hmm. there is a a coach who recently retired from head coaching. You might have heard his name, Bruce Arians. that ring a bell? Hmm. Yeah, I know him. Well, here's the thing with the guest of the uh, Peter Report, uh, guest of honor on the podcast. Yeah, it is a fact. Yes. Also, Jake Arians, his son, has been a guest here on uh, the Peter Report podcast. And uh, we wanted to let you know that the eighth annual Arians Family Foundation Golf Classic is coming up this weekend, April 24th and 25th. So if you want to attend this, you still have time to to book a, a, a round of golf for yourself, a foursome. Uh, whatever you want to do, whether you want to sponsor one of the holes, there's a lot of opportunities still left. Mm-hmm. The Arians Family Foundation Golf Classic. Bruce Arians will be there. My guess is Todd Bowles will be there. He was there last year. Jason Light, uh, Tom Brady was there last year. 
Rob Gronkowski was there last year. I'm not sure he's going to be there this year, but the, that's the type of caliber of players uh, and big names that, that you'll see at uh, the Bruce Arians Family Foundation Golf Classic. Again, this weekend, visit ArianSFamilyFoundation.com for more information. The individual player, $2,500, includes a golf spot, a Sunday night gala dinner, and a concert. And includes the Monday night post-golf reception as well. You can see the price there for the foursome, $10,000 for players in the tournament. Plus, you get some goodies. And you also get four passes to the Sunday night gala dinner and concert. Uh, I'll be there as well on uh, Sunday night. So uh, if you are a Pewter Report podcast listener, viewer, or Mm PewterReport.com, see me. I'd love to shake your hand and say hello. Uh, It's a great event. The money goes to... Uh, support the Arians Family Foundation. So uh, if you're like golf and you want to play with Bruce and and some Buccaneer players, uh, that's this lots is- of players. Yeah. And coaches. And yeah, it's a pretty cool event. Yeah. No question about it. So people can get out there, definitely make it a priority. The Arians family, you know, for all the football stuff we talk about, the stuff they've done for the world is more important for sure. Absolutely. Um, so really commendable. Nate wants to know, uh, do we see any quarterbacks going first round? Yes, I think. We might be up to four, Scott. Yeah. Peter Schrager trying to tell us Matt Corral is going in the first round, maybe in the top ten. He said, "Say so tweeted yeah. something like, wouldn't surprise John, me I, if Corral's the quarterback the Panthers pick in the top ten. I'm like, what? Wow. I, I hope wild. that's the case because what could happen for the Buccaneers to their benefit is once, 20, once pick number 27 comes, you could see some teams jump, try to get back into the first round to grab a quarterback at the end of the first round because the beauty is when you get a quarterback at the end of the, at the, of the first round, like Lamar Jackson with the Ravens back in 2018, you have that quarterback on a fifth-year option. So if the Buccaneers are looking to trade back a little bit into the first round or into the upper part of the second, boy, number 27 might be a great spot to be in if you're Jason Light want to trade back. Some of those I think he'd love to trade back. I think he'd love to trade back. I just don't. I I really just don't think anybody's going to want to come up. But you never know. I mean, there are crazy yep. things that happen every year. But the more you yep. read from the people who talk to people in the NFL, it's I like know. this class is brutal. Like this class at the top, especially in the first round, the sweet spots in the third and fourth rounds, which always cracks me up. Like, what does that mean? Like, you're just going to get a lot of third and fourth round values. Like, okay, but yep. you know, it's it's like if those players are are really good, and there's no good first and second round players. Guess what? Those players are going to go in the first and second rounds. They're not going to be there in the third round. So it's just really funny to me how people, how teams talk about the draft when they say those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, I do think you're going to get some quarterbacks going, and that's what the Bucs hope. You're exactly right. Heck, mm-hmm. they hope Sam Howell sneaks into the first round somehow. Right. They'd it doesn't love seem it. like They'd it's going to happen. Right. Trade back a couple spots, get some more mid round picks. Awesome. Yeah. yeah Jerome to, Ford is another yeah, one, right? It's going back here. Jerome Ford was in for a local visit. He's a Tampa kid, went to, uh, Try to start off at Alabama, then went to Cincinnati. Really helped key that Cincinnati offensive attack that featured Desmond Ritter, Alec Pierce, etc. I'm not a huge fan. I think he's more of a breakaway runner than he is a, a running back that can carry the the workload at the next level. Um, your thoughts on Jerome Ford? He's kind of like Rashad White to me. Like that, I think he's kind of tall very upright runner for ford i mean took shots like crazy just because yeah, he runs he so upright uh exposes his whole chest when he runs um kind of see honestly him and pierre strong are, are fairly similar too. you know I guys agree. that again if there were developmental running backs yeah if you got him you know, pierre strong i think he can play probably earlier in like an outside zone type of scheme i don't yes. see him as a bucks fit at all he's long-legged and just kind of a he looks like a wide receiver frame um mm-hmm. I kind of compared him, I think, a little bit to like I think it was him in our uh, in our write-ups. Uh, so some similarities with him and maybe like a CJ Procise, if you remember from a few years yes, ago, I that do. was more mm-hmm. more athlete than running back. Kind of Procise had played wide out. Strong is a very good athlete. He give him the runway, and he'll he'll take it. Yeah, but he's yeah. not going to break a lot of tackles. He's not super Correct. elusive. Like he's not going to create a lot of hands. Yeah, sixty-five yeah. yard screen pass uh, for mm-hmm. a touchdown. East West Shrine, very good receiver out of the backfield. So I can see him kind of be a fit there, and with this frame. He's a little bit more of a running back that you could see getting first and second down carries than, say, a James Cook. So I can see why the Bucs are somewhat interested, but I agree. It's not an ideal Buccaneer fit, John. Yeah, not not really seeing the fit with him. And Ford is maybe a little bit more of a fit. He's only 5'10", you know, so he's yep. not quite as tall as some of these other guys he who, runs. who we're talking about yep. being upright runners. But, yeah, he took took the shots anyway. But 4'4", 6'40", 
that speed is definitely shows up on tape. He's got several long t- I think Burglar said he had three 75 plus yard touchdown runs. So mm-hmm. there is the home run hitting with Ford for sure. Uh, but his evolution in the passing game will have to continue. Just 21 catches last year did not do much with him. He's not really elusive in space or a big tackle breaker. And I obviously have said many times on the show right. that I value those things. So it's kind of like he's got all the ancillary categories like athleticism and some you know, game breaking speed. And yeah. those things are great, like icing on the cake, but then he doesn't really have the cake. Like he has the I vision agree. and the decisiveness, like all the stuff you really need still isn't there. I haven't heard a lot of, of Buccaneer talk with Saquandre white from South Carolina, but another I think- white, by the way, yeah. <laughs> Rashad white, Samir white, this guy's a bucks fit. He's, he's explosive, which is probably a fifth, sixth, seventh round, Draft picky split time, carrying the ball at uh, at South Carolina, kind of like uh, Damian Pierce was not a a feature guy there, but he can catch the ball. I mean, that's that's kind of what he can do as well. But when you're talking about catching the ball, this guy's really interesting to me. This is Max Borgie from Washington State. Had 83 catches his freshman season, and you talk about some amazing hands. He's been dubbed uh, Little McCaffrey. He looks like Christian McCaffrey. He kind of plays like Christian McCaffrey. He's not as good as Christian McCaffrey, but he's a pack. healthier. Yeah, he is healthier. That's a fact. But if you're if the Buccaneers wait for a running back, this this might be a great little gimmicky gadget guy that can help on third downs and kind of a Giovanni Bernard type role and help on special teams too. So uh, I'm kind of a, of a Max Borgie fan. Reminds me a lot of Rex Burkhead, who Tom Brady might be familiar with. So you're just gonna any other white running backs you can think of? Does he remind you of Peyton Hillis at all? No, not, no, not a no similarities. <laughs> no, but it, his game really does remind me of Rex Burkhead. I mean, color aside, it, it just kind of screams that. Um, and uh, the one big difference I'd say, well, and Burkhead may have learned this, I don't remember, but Burkhead was such a good pass protector, and yeah. is maybe I don't know where is Burkhead? Is he injured? I don't even know where he is. But anyway, he, Borgie needs to be improving that way just because he wasn't. Has to do it quite as much, but yeah, there's good hands there. And gang dead his pro day four five one forty. You know he jumped pretty good. Like his his jillies were okay. Like you know he didn't do much of the combine, so there was a lot of questions in his pro day. He was you know five nine two oh seven. Yeah, for what he is, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean he's probably going to be undrafted. I think that seems to be the consensus. Oh, I think he's a John, come on, you think he'll sneak in there. I think he will. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I don't love him as much as Blaine Pushimi. <laughs> I mean, that's taking a little. This is a good one. Long Lost Glazer says Max Borgie sounds like a dog breed. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. So, hey, listen, we've run you through a lot of the running backs in this class. Uh, that's pretty. I mean, I know Kyron Williams we didn't touch on. Josh Capo will be mad at us for that. Great right. pass protector. He is tough. The yeah. Bucs just haven't shown any interest that we know of, and they have with every other running back. So yeah. I, we didn't spend a ton of time on them. And the athleticism is is in the questionable range for a position that athleticism doesn't matter much for. We'll see. He's going to have to be pretty good, I think, at his size. For he's under 200 pounds to it. Yeah. And when you're under 200 pounds and you run slow, it's a little bit of a death nail. It's, yeah, you don't need a lot of athleticism to play running back in the NFL, right. but you might need some, especially if you're going to be a passing downs guy. So. We'll see. He's tough, though. Uh, definitely fits the prototype. Locker room leader. A lot of these guys, great character marks, captains, leaders. They waited their turn you know, to, to play. Brian Robinson did. Terry and Davis Price did. So there's a lot of players that, from a makeup standpoint, what the Bucks look for. I mentioned Hassan Haskins. Brees Hall and Spiller get high marks in those regards. Pierce as well. Algier. Yeah. All these dudes were like raved about in their locker rooms, loved by their coaching staff. Like, Brugler wrote so many positive things about almost all of these guys. There were hardly any character question marks or uh, work ethic concerns. I think you'll see a lot of guys in this class play in the NFL for a while. Special teamers, there's plenty of them in here. We didn't mention mm-hmm. Abram Smith from Baylor who switched to linebacker and then played yep. special teams and just spent the last year running back. That was his first year, earned a trip to the Senior Bowl. It was That's pretty right. good, I thought, at the Senior Bowl in the game too. It was tough. Um, so there's a lot of guys that can play in the NFL. They're just John- aren't. The problem is there's do. so many running backs, Scott. They can't all play. Like they I'm going to narrow it down. I, I'm going to ask Jason like tomorrow which running back you're drafting, just so all we right. can cut through the nonsense and just say, Jason, all right, you, you're doing your post. I'm sorry, your pre-draft press conference tomorrow at the team headquarters at Ben Health Training Center. Who are you drafting? Which running back? And I need to know what you're doing in the first round. You can keep that top secret. That's fine. But which running back? That's what I want to know, right? So, so that that's that's the thing. We got tomorrow. Um, I'm going to be on with another Peter reporter, 
uh, John has the the day off from from that. He's going to be working hard on his next Bucks briefing. But mm-hmm. make sure that you stay tuned to Tuesday's edition of the Peter Report podcast at 4 p.m., where we'll we will be analyzing Jason Light's pre-draft press conference. He meets with the media at one o'clock. Yep. On uh, Wednesday, we'll come back, maybe look at some tight ends in this class, looking at the top positions of need for the Bucks in depth. And I don't know if we're going to see a Gronk signing before then. So that'll be up. And the position previews and Bucks best bet series has started. Quarterbacks is up today. I know you might be like, I don't know if I want to check out quarterbacks. We know the Bucks probably aren't going to draft one. There's a name in there in the Bucks best bets for the late picks that you should know that yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see and be in camp with the Bucks. There's some connections there that make sense. So you should get to know that article and check that article out. Plus, not going to lie, J.C. Allen, uh, for all the crap I give him, he did an awesome job with the write-up, so you all should go check it out. He gave uh, really good evaluations for the quarterback class. shocker, too, if the Buccaneers just said, we're just taking Desmond Ritter at 27. Yeah, whatever, yeah. Maybe until you're prepared if that happens. Yeah, um, so. That's a little bit. And, right. and He's yeah. not going to be there. But. I'll trask. So. <laughs> yeah, so check that article out. Uh, offer your thoughts on that um, for sure. And then tomorrow morning, bright and early, the running backs preview uh, that I did will be up with uh, evaluations on those guys in the order of wide receiver preview. And it's got all yeah. of the Bucks best bets at wide receiver tomorrow, Bucks best bets at running back. And we keep going throughout the week at all the position groups um, with a different Peter reporter covering each one. So it'll be a lot of fun. Make yeah. sure you check that out. Subscribe to the Peter Report TV YouTube channel. Hit the like button on our videos. Share the link with your friends. All the good stuff. Thank you so much for listening tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern. Tune in once again. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.